0: Good morning, church. I can't. Ah, uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, for those of you looking in, you can't see from my point of view, but there are—I don't know how many cars. The parking lot is probably three-fourths full, um, and everybody's tuned up, got their lights flashing and their hongs. They're waving. And it's just great to see you this morning. We miss you guys. uh, And I'm sure you miss being together as the body of Christ. But we want to celebrate this morning uh, the good news. And uh, so let's open up our Bibles. Before we do, we're going to be in Luke 24. So if you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And while you're doing that, I just want to take a second to thank... All the background people here, uh Rich and Jonathan, and all the others that i don't even know that have been gearing up and setting up and getting for this new change in our church services from uh uh just doing it live stream on YouTube to, to f m and who knows what else but i'm sure glad there's there's people that understand technology because I sure don't and uh so if you think of it. Shoot them a text, a thumbs up, and appreciation because they've been putting a lot of hours in and to make this all possible and keep the body of Christ uh, <laughs> fellowshipping and, and uh, together in spirit and on cy- in cyberspace if not in person. So we appreciate you guys and thank you for getting this all set up to, to be together this morning. bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven At what had happened? Let's pray, Father. We are so thankful for this day, Lord. Uh, it's overwhelming to know what this day represents as we just move forward through this time in our our nation. Lord, we we uh, want to take a moment right now, as we do every Sunday, to to lift up our country to you. Father, I just uh I want to lift up uh our leaders, our president in particular and the decision that he's going to be making uh soon concerning the the opening up of this this nation again. Father, there's so many critical things going on now and and we just want to lift him up to you as your word commands and ask for wisdom. Lord, for him and his, the people that surround him and are going to be counseling him. Father, we just pray your hand of protection on your people. Lord, I pray for comfort for those who are sick. Lord, I pray for, uh, for those that are shut in and, and can't uh, get around like they normally could. I just pray for your Holy Spirit to, to bring uh, fellowship, companionship, Lord, I just uh, thank you for the great nation that we have, Lord, and for the prosperity that we ha- enjoy, that we've taken advantage of, taken for granted, Father. I just I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord, and for especially for this day. Lord, I just thank you what you have done for us, Lord, that you have made us. Uh, the way possible for us to enjoy you and have fellowship with you into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks, Phil. Well, as we look over this section of Scripture that uh, that we look at this morning, as we consider this incredible sunrise that uh there's something that jumped out at me from the word, and what jumped out at me was the phrase, "Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for for the Lord in places you ought not And when I think about that, when I consider this as I look at the scripture, I think there's I think there's three ways that we can uh, we can allow this to happen in our lives today we can do it by denying the miracle of the resurrection we can do it when we deny the the meaning of the resurrection why did jesus have to be raised and finally we can do it when we deny the spiritual reality of the resurrection and so we're going to look at those three things as we uh, as we gather here this morning so first I, w- I just want to think about the idea that that they were these women who were coming to the tomb they were denying the miracle of the resurrection They came to the tomb looking for a dead man, but he wasn't dead. They didn't come to the tomb looking for a miracle. They didn't come to the tomb uh, like we would today for the celebration of the emptiness within the tomb. When they came to the tomb, it was like every other religion in the world who has followed a, a great and a marvelous teacher who taught great things and lived a sacrificial life. And, and now we're going to honor that. We're going to honor that life as we come to the grave. We're going we're gonna to try to follow his writings and his teachings. We're going to try to be like him. But listen, if we treat Jesus this way, we're never going to find him. Because we're not looking. We're not looking in the right place. We're looking for the living among the dead and he is not among the dead maybe you heard people when they talk about the resurrection they say things like well of course in primitive times they believed that uh that people would rise from the dead but we're not so primitive as they were back then and i don't know if he really could have risen but we need to understand that even in their time even in their day the idea of the resurrection of the dead was ridiculous in fact, in Acts chapter 17, when Paul's at the Areopagus and he's preaching to the people, he said, I've, I've come to tell you I saw an altar to the unknown God, and so this God I want to proclaim to you. And so he's preaching to the philosophers in Athens at the Areopagus, and as he's laying out the message, he comes to the section where he says that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the scripture says they laughed him to scorn, they laughed him off the stage, he never got to finish his message, because the idea of the resurrection was so foreign to them. They didn't didn't think about it any differently than maybe we would think about the resurrection today. But Luke, he gives us something that we don't want to lose sight on, and that's this, Luke names names. He tells us about the people who were there, real people, actual people who were there. In fact, 2 Peter 1.6 says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see, Luke names names. He named Joanna. Joanna, according to Luke 8.3 three. Joanna was the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. He's, he's one of Herod's administrators in the palace. So you have Joanna there, who's in the upper crest of society. Right next to her, you have Mary Magdalene, a former prostitute. And then maybe beside them, you have Mary, the mother of James, who probably represents middle of the road, average, what maybe we would call normal today. And the last character listed out for us is Peter himself. So we have names laid out. Why is it that Luke is giving us names? See, we have this idea that that when this story broke, when this gospel was written, some 40 years, 45 years after the events took place, we have this idea that people looked at it and just believed it and just you know, accepted it all, and what we need to do, we need to kind of put our minds into reality. What was it really like? Let me give you an example. Let me say that, what if I said in 1975, Abraham Lincoln rose from the dead and visited Buell, Idaho. Now, is there the possibility that there's anybody here in this parking lot that doesn't have the ability to remember to 1975 other than maybe some of the kids some of our of our young people but my I myself I remember 1975 Now what if I told you he came in 1975 and then I listed a group of names I said he spoke to Phil Garrish he talked to Robin Quigley he had met with uh, um, you know, a variety of people that had seen him. What if I laid out all of these things? Then, if you wanted to know if it was true, well, we're right here in Buell. Well, maybe you think that the Middle East is all spread out. Listen, Philer is like Bethlehem if Buell is Jerusalem. So they're just six miles apart. It's not a long trip. It's not difficult to go find out, to go talk to these people. Paul, 20 years after the resurrection of Christ, he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15. 20 years after the resurrection, listen to what he wrote. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. "...unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I receive. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter. Then to the twelve, those are the disciples... Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believe. See, thousands of people read the stories of the Gospels as they were delivered. And they took a short drive through the country to the place that the Scripture was talking about. And they knocked on the doors of Peter, James, and John. They, they began to speak with those who were listed in Scripture. They began to ask. And then they began to receive that eyewitness testimony of those who were there who could tell them, yes, Jesus rose from the dead. Yes. This is how the, the movement, how Christianity took root. It's rooted in truth. It's rooted in real people. Now we come all these years later, and people have a hard time understanding and recognizing why a bunch of people would show up on an early morning to go out when the sun rises and proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen. <clears throat> Those ladies who ca- Those ladies who came to the tomb that day. They didn't expect a miracle. They didn't expect that he would rise from the dead. They thought that he would be in the tomb. So they were looking for the living among the dead. We don't want to deny the miracle of the resurrection. Nor do we want to deny the meaning of the resurrection. See, the angels told these ladies, the angels said to them, He's not here. But you should know that. You should know this. Don't you remember why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Don't miss this. This is the meaning of the resurrection. Because the meaning of the resurrection, don't don't miss this. He must be delivered. He must be crucified. He must be resurrected. Jesus is not an example to follow of a man who loved you and died for you in some general way. Jesus is an example of someone who died for us in a very specific way. We need to understand, we need to know that Jesus' life, it was our goal is not to be good like him, or serve like him, or sacrifice like him, You only think in terms of that if you don't understand why his death was necessary to bring us life. Scripture will tell us, He who knew no sin must become your sin sacrifice so that you might become the righteousness of God. Because mankind is separated from God through sin, Jesus must die. He must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. We are sinners. Through the fall of Adam, we have a propensity to sin. Therefore, there are none of us in this parking lot or in this town or in this nation or on this world who are not guilty of sin, who have not chosen to rebel against the God of the universe. But though we were dead in our trespasses in sin, but God made us alive together through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had to die, had to be delivered. Before the women understood this truth, look at the picture in Scripture. They're trudging in a funeral procession to a grave early in the morning. After they hear, the proclamation of the angels they're running to tell the difference between trudging through uh, a list of things that we need to do and turning to run to tell the good news we see this painted on the picture uh, in this picture of these ladies coming to the funeral they were not doing their telling what are they saying? Jesus is paid it all. All to him I surrender. All to him I freely give. Jesus paid it all. Do you believe that Jesus had to die for you? Or do you think that maybe if I'm a good enough person, then God will save me? If I do enough good things in this world, if I live a good life, if I try to be good to people, if we don't understand the meaning of his death, if we don't know he had to die for us. Maybe you have a spiritual inferiority complex where you think you're a failure. If only I could live like Christ, or if only I could be worthy of what he's provided. You don't understand. He had to die for you. Jesus Christ has done it all we need to say look i was so sinful yet jesus christ died for me i mean so much to him that he was willing he was willing to lose the universe rather than lose me he in some way was willing to lose the father rather than lose me Until we understand the certainty of the death of Christ, the centrality of the death of Christ, we won't understand that all our confidence is in Him, not in me. He's not just a model. He's not just a good example. He's my substitute. He's my Savior. If you don't know that, you're seeking the living among the dead the final way that we can do this not just by denying the miracle or not understanding the meaning but we can also deny the reality the spiritual reality of the resurrection in our life we might believe in the miracle of the resurrection that jesus truly rose from the dead we may understand the meaning that he had to die for my sin But if we don't have a relationship with him, he might as well be dead. You may know a lot about him, but do you actually know him? Think about this. As the ladies are going to the tomb early in that morning, just like we would visit a grave today, you go to the grave, you put flowers down, You think about the person and maybe you shed a tear. It can be an inspiring and moving experience that we have at the graveside. But you're not talking to them. You're not dealing with them. You're dealing with a memory. That's how the women were trying to worship Jesus that morning. And the angel said, he's not here. You can't do it that way. Is your prayer life like standing at a grave, or do you sense his presence? Psalm 34, I just really want you to meditate on this today. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jonathan Edwards wrote something about this, and he said, why doesn't God say, know that the Lord is good? Because we can know that the Lord is good, but knowing he's good is different than tasting. Tasting. We can know things, but he's speaking here of experience, of knowing the taste. Jesus Christ is my risen Savior. I have tasted and seen that he is good. He is really with me wherever I go. Easter, this morning, Resurrection Day, pushes us beyond just a simple intellectual ascent that he is risen. It pushes us beyond understanding the meaning that we were separated from God through our sin. But it pushes us to a reality to know the unknowable God. I love this verse, and I, this is why a lot of people ask me, Jackie, why do you use uh, the ESV? Mostly I use the ESV because of John 1.18. In John 1.18 it says this, No one has ever seen God. The idea that Scripture is talking about is that there's a separation between us and God. We can't see Him. We can't experience Him. We can't taste and see that the Lord is good. No one has seen God. The invisible God is not knowable, is not reachable. But the rest of the verse says this. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Who has made God known to us? The God at the Father's side. Who's the God at the Father's side? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has made God known. He has made God tastable. He has made God relatable. He He has given us the opportunity to touch and see, to smell, to experience with our senses the beauty and the majesty of God. This is where the idea of praying a prayer for salvation came into existence. But you see, there's no particular formula or words that must be spoke. The picture in Scripture that Jesus gives us is a tax collector on his knees, beating his breast and crying out to God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said it was this man who left this place justified, that God had met him in that place. How is it that we don't deny the spiritual reality of the resurrection? We have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We recognize and understand that we're not looking for the living among the dead. That we come to look for the living among the living. We lift our eyes to the heavens, especially in this day where we have to do church like this. This is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, I just want you to know, you know, as we as we move forward, I mean, there's only so long I'm willing to do this. So I'm gonna try to be a good citizen. But when when April's over, I think I'm done being a good citizen. <laughs> So listen, I want to share with you something C.S. Lewis wrote that maybe kind of tie this, this all together. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Apparently then, our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off. To be on the inside of a door, which we have always seen from the outside is no, mere neurotic fancy but the truest index of our real situation and to be at last summoned inside would be both glory and honor beyond all our merits and also the healing of that old ache we get inside that door that c.s lewis talked about we get inside that door through the empty tomb we get inside that door because we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. We get inside that door and we understand that Jesus had to die and be risen again so that you and I could have newness of life, so that we could be restored to the God we can only know through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Romans ten nine and 10 says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved <clears throat> for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved as we prepared to gather out here we tried we've been trying several things to try to stay connected with the body and and hopefully those efforts are are bearing forth fruit but i want you to know that we're praying for you all Every day, you're in our prayers. <clears throat> we are uh, seeking wisdom and direction from God as we continue to move forward. But as we were gathering for this service, we, we wanted to be able to have communion. But it's complicated to have communion now. So we put out a, we put out a post. If you saw it, hopefully you, you saw BYOC, Bring Your Own Communion. If you did, hallelujah. If you didn't, I'm going to tell you a story. If you didn't bring it with you, I'm going to tell you a story. One Valentine's Day, we were, Kathy and I were doing four weddings. We were trying to break a world record, apparently. We had four weddings scheduled on Valentine's Day. One of them was a dear friend, and we were doing it at their home in the desert. And we got everything set up for that first wedding. And, of course, weddings always kick off late, and so it had started late, and we forgot to put the communion out that the couple was going to celebrate. And so as they turned to the communion, there was nothing in the cup, and there was nothing on the dish for their communion. And so the husband reached over and took care of it. He took care of it by celebrating the point of communion even without the bread and the cup. And so this morning... We're going to do that. I just want you to consider this morning that you know that you believe in the miracle of the resurrection. That you know the meaning of the resurrection. And that it's a spiritual reality in your life. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Rich is going to come up and he's going to share a a brief song. And then we're going to partake of communion. Either we will partake in actuality or we will partake of the importance of the meaning behind it. But either way, we're going to do that. So I just would like you to reflect on the things we've talked about this morning as Rich uh, uh, just opens our hearts up in worship.